band that is about to play is so amazing and just great people all around and just be ready to be bestowed with greatness upon yourselves. is that you play cello and that's not in a lot of other like local bands (laughs) so like how do you think that like influences your sound or like kind of sets you apart you know like what is that whole part of your music yeah it's like uh it's like I don't so I play cello in a rock band because I don't know how to play guitar. I'm like I'm a classically I'm a classically trained cellist. Like I started playing cello when I was ten. And I like went to orchestra camp a bunch uh, throughout like middle and high school and started doing Berkeley stuff and like uh, straying from like classical music. Uh, like my junior year of high school and like started learning how to like sing and play simultaneously on my acoustic and. Um, yeah, just like learning different styles and like how to play, like how to improvise and a bunch of other things. Um, and so that kind of set me up to be able to write my own music. And I wrote like cello songs, some at like the end of high school. And then I like switched to like making like electronic music for a minute. And then uh, Prior Panic was actually an electronic project in the beginning <laughs> uh, before I added cello. And like I was gonna, the EP was supposed to be like all electronics and uh, no cello. I scrapped it like two weeks before. Oh man. Yeah, so it's definitely like grown and changed a lot over time. Uh, The cello has become like a more. uh, I mean, like it's interesting because it kind of shifts in function between like being like a more melodic or like harmonic instrument between or like being a bass in the band. So it's like interesting navigating that back and forth sometimes. And like, I feel like the sound like. My influences are kind of all over the place, but like a lot of it goes back, like back to like mid to late two thousands, like indie art rock stuff, (laughs) which is definitely funny (laughs) in some ways because it's like not necessarily like an aesthetic that I'm like going for, but I feel like it like chamber pop, you know, kind of like influences like kind of chamber punk influence or chamber pop influences with like. coming up in like a more punk based scene, maybe.
another big influence is definitely like the Boston music scene, and that's something that we especially like to talk about. Is just sort of like yeah, how you function sure. within the scene of Boston, and like how that is also a part of your band. Yeah, it's. I'm actually from Texas. Uh, this is like my third year living and making music in Boston. I was a Berkeley student for a while. I uh, spent a year and a half there, and I'm indefinitely taking time off. Probably dropping out. Don't know yet. We're, we're figuring that one out. Um, so like at first, like uh, I didn't really access the DIY scene uh, until like uh, like midway through like my second semester of Berkeley. Uh, I was kind of like wrapped up in like the Berkeley community, which you know, positive in some ways, but ultimately I wish I had spent the time that I had spent like doing Berkeley things, like doing more uh, Boston DIY, like community-based things. But going to shows completely changed like the way that I uh, like appreciated music and like uh, wrote music for sure. And like I found a lot of influence in like bands that are definitely like heavier. I don't know, like uh, my the first like Boston DIY band I fell in love with was Den, and uh, they're, they're also like close friends and like they've supported my project so I don't know it's just like there's so much community like the fact that like one of my favorite bands my freshman year ended up being like the first band to like support me really in Boston like they actually our first full band show was a dent show at the Middle East and like I don't know they're an amazing band sorry I always just like gush about dent whenever people ask me about <laughs> Boston <laughs> I don't know but the scene here is also like super queer and trans friendly and like uh I like like I book shows at my house and I've booked one straight person <laughs> and like it wasn't on purpose I don't know it's like really cool to like feel included in a community without like having to try that hard but um I think ultimately like it fosters like, such a cool community of creative people and queer people who like are friends with each other like everybody on this build tonight are like people I care a lot about and like people that I collaborate with shows like I'm booking like my best friends but not in a way that I hope comes across as like clicky you know like just in a, like I love the people I'm working with kind of way I don't know it's just cool to like have found something so solidly uh, supportive like I like seeing that like there's an audience for the stuff I'm making has been like beyond encouraging and I don't know if I would have found that the same way anywhere else I was gonna say, does that anything in that realm exist where you're from? I don't know where you're from in Texas, but I'm from Dallas, and like, you know, it's just not—it's it's not the same. The music scene is awesome, but it's just like there—it's not community-based in the same way. Like, it's not as big of a queer community. Like, not as many spaces that are like, you know, very specifically uh, safe. Mm-hmm. Or like deliberately safe. Like the scene is really interesting. There's a lot of experimental music and like a lot of people doing multiple things at a time, and it's really impressive and exciting. But there's a lot of work to be done, and there's a lot of work to be done in the Boston scene too. Like, um, you know, I think right now we're seeing an awesome surge of like queer bands, trans bands, like women fronted bands, like just like and that. I don't think identity should be key and like talking about the music scene because it's not the most important thing. But I. It frustrates me when people talk, like, act like we shouldn't acknowledge that it's a positive thing when queer and trans people's voices are being uplifted. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's important to, like, not tokenize ourselves, but, like, uh, I, I think positivism in some ways, like, is, like, a good thing for, like, queer communities and, like, queer people making music.
especially because in the past, like, focusing more on musical talent has been almost used as, like, a scapegoat for not, like, giving a platform to queer voices when they've been talented the whole time. Exactly. But people can easily say, like, oh, I just... It's so easy. They just don't pay attention and... It's so easy to book queer people and pay attention to them, and they're making amazing music, and, like, I feel like the progress over the last two years just shows that, like, if you book them, they'll get attention, and they'll have community and support, and, like... Yeah, and people will like I don't know, like, I'm not gonna, like, name-drop, like, bands, but I'm, like, tired of, like, droney, like, slowcore, like, emo. Yeah. Like, straight dudes whining... Associating with shitty people outside of their bands, like not talking about it, it's bullshit, and like that's not the scene for me. And I know for like the fucking hundreds or thousands of like young queer people in the scene, I don't know, talking a lot about gay shit, but (laughs) no, that's that's good. That's another focus of our kind of what we talk about on some of our episodes. So you're totally in the right direction. Actually, one of my questions was, like, how do you think this, the Boston scene compares to sort of other music scenes as a whole in the uh, LGBTQ plus areas? Um, I, my only real context is Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you know, there are a ton of queer people in the Dallas music scene. Like, I don't feel uncomfortable at shows, necessarily. But, like, certain scenes are, are certain, like, parts of the scene, like, are definitely, like, you know, if your interests aren't, like, super eclectic, like, you may not be hanging out in queer spaces as much. Right. Like, uh, like a lot of, like, the queer and trans people I know are making, like, experimental, like, noise music, industrial music, uh, <laughs> like, weird improvisational ensembles, like, really awesome stuff, but, like, I feel like queer spaces should not be synonymous with inaccessible art. Mm-hmm. Not inaccessible, but, like, less accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, so I think that's a problem. I think the fact that, like, the music in Boston is so universally good, like, there's just so much good stuff going on, and I feel like it's, like, it has wide appeal, and, like, those being uh, safe spaces, I think, uh, gives, like, you know, obviously, like, it's underground or whatever, but, like, people get to shows, and, like, safe queer spaces are happening, or safer spaces. I, I struggle to use, like, the word safe space, but, like, you know... Place is built with the intention of being safe. Yeah, or, like... If not built with that intention, which it should be, like, the actively working it. to enforce that yeah. in a community setting. Um, so where do you draw your inspiration from as a musician? All over the place. Um, a lot of Fiona Apple, a lot of Bjork. Um, <laughs> Early dirty projectors, <laughs> or like middle, mm-hmm. not any of the post Amber Kaufman, Angel Daradurian stuff. Yeah. Though. That's all terrible. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's think. Uh, St. Vincent, David Byrne slash Talking Heads, one hundred percent. They're faves, um, like all like since I was a kid, kind of thing. Yeah, I actually local people like friends like Pale Hound and Daisy and the Scallops and like like close friends honestly have been huge influences Oslo my friend has been like so good I don't know so, have you known Pale Hound for a while actually so... um I've like known Ellen for like over, a little over a year oh. that's Ellen Kempner of the local band Pale Hound who recently did a collaboration with Julia yeah, they're, like, really cool people, and they stayed with me and my family in Texas over the summer on tour with Waxashi. Like, just Pale Hound stayed with us, but, like, uh, and then they actually stayed with my parents again about a month ago in Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I That's don't know. So they're cool. awesome people, and, like, I was really excited and honored that Ellen asked me to play on 
that song, like, that was really intense. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really stoked. This last song is the last song on the album, and shouts out to anybody, uh, children with mental illness, specifically bipolar, uh, call out to anybody who goes to CBT. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Carmen goes next. Thank you guys for coming. So a lot of Prior Panic stuff, like, the songs are kind of, like, rooted in talking about mental health stuff as somebody, like, with depression, anxiety, and, like, bipolar 2. Like, it just, like, ne like last basically what happened is last year I had a huge mental health crash, and a lot of the songs on the album, like, uh, kind of chronicle that, like, when they were written and, like, the content of the songs. Uh, but even before that, uh, the name came, like, uh, my anxiety basically got to a point my freshman year where it was, like, hard to function, and I was having a lot of panic attacks, so I, the name comes, like, the feeling, like, prior to a panic attack, like, the feeling before falling apart. <laughs> so you kind of feel like you're almost, in a way, destigmatizing the conversations, even just through something as small as, like, having yeah. that as the name of your, of your music. Yeah, or... like, not even so consciously, like, it, it's, like, yeah. not really going in with an intention of destigmatization, but I think it's really important to, like, talk about that stuff. Yeah. Like, on a daily basis, you know, I make it, I make a point to, like, talk about these things with my friends. Like, I feel like we do, like, cognitive behavioral therapy on each other. Yeah. <laughs> Just in, like, day-to-day yeah. -day life. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think it's, like, really important to be open and, like, destigmatize things like bipolar. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, because it's not what people think it is, straight yeah. up. It's just not. It's, like, so it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. So it's, I, yeah, I think there is, like, a, a part of me that just wants to, uh, like, do what I can to normalize and make people feel comfortable and understood, especially because of the overlap between, like, queer people and trans people and, like, mental illness. Like, it's huge. Like, I don't know a queer trans person who's not experiencing, like, I mean, I know a few, but, like, for the most part, who have an experience, like, depression or anxiety or, like, mood disorders or, like, personality disorders. Like, it's right, so prevalent, yeah. like, in our communities, and I think being able to talk about it is crucial for, like, supporting each other mm -hmm. and growing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it, music, like, writing music makes that especially easy because you can use that as, like, a method of, like almost starting a conversation about it, or even just, like, yeah. being able to express that? Yeah, for me, music, like, writing is more storytelling, but I think, like, uh, in conversations that you have with people that you care about, or, like, people that you, like, share spaces with, like, 
you build like trust and alliance by like sharing stories. So I think like doing that like through music is like an effective way of like starting yeah starting a conversation by opening up and like being vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, I I think by doing that uh, you can like create like an understanding with like your listener and like I don't know I hope that my songs are like a safe space for like people like when they're feeling low I don't know <laughs> but so we also try to do a little spotlight of the, the venues that we're covering yeah. so yeah can you talk a little bit about how you got involved <laughs> Studio 550 or how? so I'm like not involved uh, we were scrambling cause all cops are bastards and mm-hmm. shut down Dyke Palace and the borough and are just yeah. like so like and also venues are like a little reluctant right now to like take on more than one show a weekend for the same reasons and like also just yeah. running house venues is hard so I I feel it um yeah I uh so yeah I made like some desperate posts and uh this person Ben reached out to me and uh he does work study here and he said that he could book the space from 9 to 1 and that if we brought our own gear and uh, cleaned up afterwards, it would be fine, and I don't think we're gonna have the problem with cop presence, and it's a huge space, and a cool room, and you can't wear your shoes in it. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, 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 it's fine. Oops. Already broken that rule. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> Just like, for future reference, you okay. can't wear your shoes in there, so yeah, oh, wow, it's kind of a cool spot. That sets a certain vibe, you know? I'm, feel, I'm feeling it, like, honestly, like, for something in a pinch, too, I, I feel great. Great, yeah, there's a Marxist library right downstairs. Is that related to the venue, or...? I don't know. It's not a venue, it's a dance studio, that's the other thing. Oh, right, okay. So, I mean, like, it's, a, it's like an art space, but it primarily is a dance studio, so I don't think the dance studio is related to the Marxist bookstore, but I am in love with the Marxist bookstore. I mean, I, cool, yeah. As a leftist who likes reading leftist content, <laughs> I am into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that honestly adds so much personality, even though it's not actually a part of the venue. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's informative. It's like, I ought to, like, I'm a big advocate for having more visual art at gigs. Actually, Minerva from King Collective is set up right there, and she's a fucking angel. And uh, she's been coming to a lot of shows at the planet where I have shows and, like, uh, has, like, come to other shows as well. And she's killing it. And uh, she brings a lot of art, like, from local artists, a lot of queer and trans artists and artists of color. Um, And it's awesome. I think there needs to be more integration between, like, uh, basically anything DIY and music in the DIY scene. Like, we need to have visual art artists, like, showcasing their stuff. Like, why not share spaces? I think it's, you know, I think another move is to, like, make texts like radical texts available in safe spaces i think like leftist ideology like informs like uh the tenets that like safer spaces should operate on in some senses like obviously not all it you know it's nuanced but (laughs) i think having access to like uh leftist uh leftist texts is um would be like I mean I know a lot of spaces already do that like anarchist bookstores like I know like uh, co-ops as well that operate as venues I know there are some in Worcester uh, Worcester and Western Mass um, but I think doing that on like small scale things would be awesome too like if there are people who are collecting zines or texts who like would want to bring that and share that I don't know I think more integration of all things DIY queer leftist community based could be more integrated to our scene but it's cool that I'm nitpicking things that specific about the last scene at this point.
Yeah.